beginning of the year uh, is that there was this kind of plea from most of our saints that they want to grow in intimacy with God. I was with Marvin and their community on Wednesday, and it just got echoed and echoed over and over again. And um, which is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to desire. But it can't stand alone. It can't stand alone. So um, the title for today's message is A Way to Love. A Way to Love. And what I want to continue with you today, uh, and I, I'm posturing myself low as a person that has not mastered this, but I don't want to pull any punches to what Jesus' expectation is when he says we are supposed to love one another. So last week, just in a brief introduction, last week I said, um, we, we can't separate what God did for us from His character. So if you look at God's character and His attributes, all by itself, He, he deserves worship. He deserves to be adored. He deserves to be, uh, we should have reverence for Him because of who He is. But we can't enter that space if we forget about what He did for us. And what I mean with that is, it is the gospel message that invites us into intimacy with God. So you have to keep the balance. You can't separate. Now that's exactly true when it comes to us and our intimacy with God. Is we can't have intimacy with God if we don't love one another. Mm. It doesn't work that way. There's no way that we can go to God and say, God, I really love you, but I hate my brother. The Bible says we would be liars. So there can't be any separations. And... Before I jump into the scripture and the passage that I want us to, to look together on, I just want to reorientate our hearts to what the Bible says love is. I always have this example, uh, we have cheapened love in today's economy. I love my wife and I also love pizza. She would be the same. So I want us to look at what the Bible says love is. It's a very well-known passage, but I want to read it slowly. And, and like I said, orientate your heart. This is... The love that we have received, but also the love that we should give. So 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to pick it up from verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, and endures all things. This is the high call of love. This is the love that Jesus manifested for us by coming. So the passage of Scripture, when Jesus teaches us on how we should love, is a very well-known parable called the Good Samaritan. And it is such a familiar, familiar uh, parable that even in worldview or the, the secular world, People will still use that phrase. If you do something good, they would say, oh, you're such a good Samaritan. And I just want to caution us, as the people of God and as people that probably know this parable, that we would not get over familiar. That by the grace of God, that we would enter into what this scripture actually tells us to do. Because it is a confronting passage. So, uh, if you have the Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke. We're going to pick it up from chapter 10, verse 25. Thank you, put that up. Thank you very much, Laurie. I'm going to move this a bit forward. Good luck. I think that's a mistake. It makes it more quickly. 
Peter get up from verse 25 and it says, And behold, the lawyers stood up to test them, delivered them, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Now, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a brief introduction when it comes to, when it says lawyer, don't think suits, Harvey Specter, civil rights. Like this lawyer is a Jewish lawyer that was responsible to study the Mosaic law and teach people. So when Jesus asks him, what does the law say? Jesus is well aware that he should be able to answer it. This is his vocation. You should know the answer. And he answers correctly, but again, look at, there's no separation. He, he, he quotes the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your strength, and love thy neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that in all of the, all the laws and the prophets are fulfilled in these two commandments. And then verse 29 happens. And this is where we need to be honest and open and trust Jesus. Verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Where's my neighbor? So what happens here is he knows the right answer, but he knows he can't live. He knows it. He's studied it. He, he's literally, his vocation is to know the commandments of God. He knows that he's able to quote the commandments of God. And Jesus says, you're correct. But his heart convicts him that, I know it, but I can't live it out. And let me just, this is one thing I love about the Bible, is the Bible is honest. The Bible is honest in how it will reveal to us our shortcomings. And I think this last week, I really had the sense that in the new year, just, just kind of the words that are going around, and not just for the church, but in the world, there's this great movement to divide us. And not just in Christian circles, in the world, there's voices, and the world is going and saying, you belong to this group, and it's fine to love that group, and hate anybody that opposes you. And the only answer to conquer that thing is love. But it's a deep-rooted love, a love as God would command us to love. So he's honest, he says, like, Lord, I need to, to justify myself. And I just want to caution us as a church. Let's be careful of trying to justify ourselves before. We don't justify. We seek mercy and grace. God enable me. I'm struggling. I'm not getting this right. And then Jesus goes, and he, he doesn't answer this man. He, he doesn't just say, well, your neighbor is anybody. He, he does this teaching. But I want us to look at it because in it is the, the key point of how Jesus expects us to love as his people. So Jesus starts. This is verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's about 14 miles. And he fell amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, uh, departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set on him his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. 
Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. So the first thing that I want to contend with you in the way that we should love is what do we know about this man that fell amongst robbers? What do we know about his identity? One thing. He's a man. That's all. That's all we know. That's all that Jesus, Jesus, knowing the crowd that he speaks to, doesn't go and say, this is a man, he's a Jew, he was of noble birth. or anything. No, he's just a man. And the first point that I'm going to make is, love looks for likeness, not difference. True love looks for likeness. So what I mean with that, and he's crying for help. <laughs> well, we'll test it. Love looks for likeness of difference. What I mean with that is, what was the only thing that could get the, the, the Samaritan to act? He's a human being. He's a human being. And that's enough to call him into action. The fact that he's a human being. And, and church, it is actually a, a theological aspect to what we believe. It's called the monogada. We believe that all men, all women were created in the image of God. And because of that, they are due respect and dignity and love. And Jesus just says there's a man. And that should be enough for all of us to be called into action. We never get to the place where we can say, oh, he's not, he's not my type. He's not my race. He's not of my social standing. He's, no. If he's a human being, Jesus says, love. Look for likeness over difference. And what I love is this is probably one of the things that probably got Jesus murdered. Was he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. And we would struggle, in all honesty, I'm going to be sensitive here, we would struggle to try and compare any modern relationship to how much Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Jews hated Samaritans. It was actually used to, to uh, belittle somebody. They were Jews who felt like you like a Samaritan. And was seen as degrading. What does Jesus do? Makes him the hero. He's going to be like a Samaritan. And what is so beautiful about it is, one of the things the Jews believed is that Samaritans actually didn't understand God. They didn't know God. They had a skewed vision of God. Because they were captured and in, indoctrinated in by pagan religions. And what is so beautiful, what does Jesus do? The Levite that's supposed to know the heart of God, know His Word. The priest that's supposed to know God, know His heart. They step away. What does the Samaritan do? Enters in. Likeness over difference. And the one thing I want to show you is how this was even evident in the life of Jesus. Because it's, guys, I always, when it comes to the gospel, whenever it comes to preaching, I'm always scared to start with you or with me. Because if we're honest, we'll fall short. But I want to show you that Jesus chose, he, he, he chose to, to love beyond just the Jews. Even in his ministry, he was sent to the Jews. But the two times that Jesus speaks about great faith were for Gentiles. Was Gentiles, Jesus was willing to look beyond and say, look at that great faith. Look at that. And even in the Old Testament, because I said this last week, we have this sense of God in the Old Testament is angry, and then he said Jesus, and now he's kind of happy and whatever. And I'm just like, no, God has always been a God of love and mercy. He never changes. And one of the greatest things, one of the greatest testimonies of that is, how many of you know Ishmael? Ishmael was man's attempt to fulfill the promises of God. 
It was man's attempt to say, God, you're taking too long. I'll do it my way. And what happens is eventually, um, Isaac is born and there's this fight. And, and what happens is, Ishmael and his mom is cast out. Abraham gives them the last portion of food and says, go into the wilderness. And they go. And he's sending them to their certain death. Because she is now a widowed, non-married, concubine, without a husband and a baby. In a desert. And what the Bible says is she comes to a place where she knows the food is done, the drink is done, and what she does is she actually puts her baby, a young boy, across the road and walks away unless she looks upon him and he dies. And then the Bible says, and then the angel of the Lord goes. Think about how miraculous that is. That is a blasphemy against God. God sends an angel and says, Don't look after these people. And what's the only plea? It's not that he's a believer. It's not that he is part of the promise. It is not that he is even part of God's plan. The only thing that they can contend is, is human. And God says, that's enough, I'll enter in. And he saves his mom. He saves his mom. Just to show you, look at how God perfects this. And because he perfects it, we should mirror it. We should run off this. We shouldn't make the ball lower for ourselves. We should set it and say, God, because of your example, I'm able. Because this is what you expect from me, God. You will give me the grace to love people that don't look like me, don't smell like me, um, even people like you. <laughs> I know him well enough that I can make jokes like that. I really love him. He's, he's absolutely awesome. So love needs to be visible like this. Let's look for like this. You're all the human being. I'm a human being. Let's love each other. Okay. So the Levites and the, 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 um, the priest, they moved on the other side. And the Samaritan had compassion on him. And let me say, I said that to say this. If you want to be used by God, so all the people that said, Lord, this year I want to grow into intimacy. Lord, this year I want to hear your voice. Lord, I want to feel your presence. Lord, I want to see you move. The only way that will ever happen is if you allow God to interrupt your life. To love people is to allow God to interrupt your life. Not one of these men were on a journey to go and save this man. They were on a journey to go and preach at the temple or go and do business. Two of them, they were too busy. There's a schedule that's too busy. There's a schedule that's too busy to be interrupted to help a fellow man and they step out and they miss what God wanted to do. Do you understand that you might be the answer to prayer for somebody? Your encouragement, you sitting down with somebody, you just speaking to them, speaking hope, might be an answer to prayer. But you need to be willing to be interrupted. You need to give God that permission of God interrupt my life. And what we need to do is when interruption in our lives happen, instead of seeing it as an interruption, see it as a divine appointment. I love this just to share a small testimony. My wife's here. Um, she'll be here later. I'm just joking. <laughs> we were still dating and, and I was quite involved in ministry. And I think we probably didn't have a date much for like two months or whatever the case was. Because we're just too busy. Like, like every opportunity we had, like, are you going to meet with people or whatever the case would be? So we planned a date night. I think we were going to move you at the colonnade. If you're from Kauteng, you would know that. If not, that's where we're here. Uh, but it was a shopping mall. You're walking now. And uh, so she was super excited for this. It's the Friday night. I think we were about 23, whatever. No, I think we were 
I was probably pretty sick, you were 18. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so we have this. <laughs> no, she was probably. If I was 26, that means she was 23. In three years. <laughs> so, uh, so we're super excited. We've chosen our movie, and uh, we start driving to the following night. And as we're driving, my phone rings, and uh, I was part of my community. We live the community, and there was this girl in this community that I knew had some serious issues, and I mean, like, there was issues that. We've just never been able to really sit with her and discuss this. So she finds me, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing in you? That's also why I'm not good. And she said, I can't take it in. You need to speak to somebody tonight. Are you available? I didn't discuss it with my, with my wife, with my girlfriend. I just looked at her and I said, where do you want to meet? <laughs> And she said, no, McDonald's, because that was the cool in that day. We went to the McDonald's. Um, and I had to ask my wife, and that's at my girlfriend, and tell her, listen, you know, uh, if you're with me, she's not going to open it. So I'm going to need you to go and move your life, and then walk around the colonnade until this lady is finished. And then I'll pick you up, and then we can go home. And my wife said, yes. She went. And there was this divine appointment that I could have with this girl that really needed Jesus. I was eight minutes, but it was at a cost. It was at an interruption. An interruption of night night, the sacred cow. I killed it, I murdered it. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to be used by God. Nothing is off limits. There's no appointment that's more important than serving the body of Christ. There's nothing that means more in my life than doing God's will. And it's beautiful that I have a wife that's willing to sacrifice with me. You want to be used by God. It's no longer interruptions. It's divine appointments. And this is probably going to be the most controversial point that I'm going to make. You're going to get not angry at me because we are mature Christians. <laughs> so this road that's 14 miles, it was actually known as quite a, quite a dangerous road. Uh, even the, the terrain, it had a lot of undulation, sharp rocks. It was, it was a treacherous road to, to walk on. And that's why it was such a great opportunity for thieves, because they could hide amongst the big rocks, and as you move past, jump you. I say that to say this. Love takes risks. Love takes risks. Love enters into where it's dangerous. And I know this is controversial, but you need to hear me. Guys, if we have any hope to push back darkness, where does darkness flourish? Where it's dangerous. Where there's no light. But there's nobody willing to stand up and say, this is wrong, this is not the way it should be done. This is what was evident in the life of the Samaritan. Think about that scene as he comes down that mountain path. And he sees, there's a man, what's your initial thought? Anybody around? Is this safe? doesn't ask that question. He enters in and he does what is right. And that should be exactly the same for us. I love this, in, in the same passage, if you go up a few scriptures, it's actually when Jesus sends out his disciples and he says this to them. He says, I send you out a sheep amongst wolves. How many of you know when a sheep and a wolf fights? That's a one-way fight. That's not biggest to see in the UFC. That fight ends one way. Wolf wins. And he tells the disciples, one of my favorite passages is Romans 8. 
It says, for your name's sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Name all these things, we are more than conquerors with Christ who loves us. God does not promise us a safe life. He promises us that in every storm, He will be with us. He says, when we enter out, He will be there. So, so just to make it very practical for which stop. I remember the first outreach that we went on, uh, Tony and everybody, it was quite a big outreach, and I remember I was with my wife, I really love her, she's adorable, I'll probably not get another one. <laughs> so I have to hold on tight. <laughs> and now we're going to break up in groups and walk the streets of Woodstock, and I don't need it bad in a bad way, Woodstock's not a safe environment anymore. I was preaching here, and they broke into my car downstairs, that's why we have to wonder. Not a safe environment, and I remember in that moment everything inside of me screaming, like, okay, my wife needs to come with me because I know I'm going to die for her. I'm not sure if you will. And God was like, okay, so that's the barrier, yeah? It's like, we won't go, you'll go, but your wife needs to stay outside. No, my wife's a gift. There's things that my wife can do that I can't do. So I'm going to trust the Lord. So, Lord, we're going to walk the streets. It might be dangerous. Lord, I want to be faithful to you. And you can see this was something that the disciples would walk over and over. Uh, I think it was John and Peter that, that, that in the council. And the council tells them, guys, it's very easy for us to not persecute you. All you need to do is shut up. Stop preaching this gospel. What do they say? So unfortunately, guys, what we're asking us is impossible because we, we cannot stop declaring what we have seen and what we have heard. Jesus is more precious to me than my safety. That's their response. And they got beaten senselessly. Church, if we want to make an impact in this world, we need to be able to step where it's God. We need to be able to step where it's dangerous. We can't build these little circles where Jesus, I will serve you with everything, I'll give you my whole heart. But if it's dangerous, sorry Jesus, I'm out. Walk the streets. Go out. Where it's dark. Jesus is not calling us all just to go to America. For Europe. There's other countries that's much darker. And we need to be willing to go up. It's one thing to plead, God, we want intimacy, we want more of you. But you, if Jesus says there's more of people come to India, are you still willing to go? Are you still willing to go? And again, I just want to point you to Jesus. Jesus was in heaven. And it's not that he needed protection. I can promise you that. If Jesus and the devil show up, the devil doesn't pitch up for that far. He's an angel. Jesus is God. That arm wrestling image that you see on Google, with Jesus on one side and the devil's on the other side, that's nonsense. You'll see every time that, that God had to, to fend off the, the devil, he would send one of his angels. The devil doesn't take that fight with God. He knows God is more powerful. He's created. God's creator. He's above him. So, but in any case, Jesus left heaven to come to earth. To die a terrible death by the hands of men. Jesus, with his friend Lazarus, when his Lazarus died, actually left when he heard Lazarus die, he moved back. And he was actually warned by his disciples. Don't go back, they seek to kill us. Jesus goes, I love, I'll go. I love, I'll go. The only way we'll ever enter into places that are risky is we love more. We love God more and we love people more. Amen. Please don't all go to India. Please rest in there. Be willing, though. You're not coming to the evangelist thing because it's too scary? It's not the right word. You're trying to justify yourself before you. 
Jesus is going inside. Love. Love deeper. Love more. Trust me that I'm in that season with you. Always that I promise. Verse 34, he went and he bound up his wounds, pouring out oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him and took care of him. Love is costly. Sorry, can I just loop back a little bit? Uh, even on the risk thing, I, I was sharing with myself and Leroy was talking earlier this week. Love enough to risk getting hurt. Then I asked my wife, we have had more friends walk away from us in ministry than I think even one of us have had ever in our lives. And we're not going to stop. Risk your heart. Risk loving a person with everything inside of you, being there for them. And if they turn their back, guess what? You are obedient to God. They will stand account. Risk getting heart broken. Risk losing relationships. Because you love Jesus. Love is costly. Love is costly. Love will cost you. It literally took this man's resources. It was his oil, his wine. He didn't all of a sudden pour out of heaven. No, he used his resources. He loved enough. And guys, just look at, like I said, this, this is a man we didn't even know. He didn't know him. And what I love is he doesn't go to this man and say, hey, did you maybe deserve this? Love someone enough. Your half day. If I don't do something, this ends one way. I'm using. I'm willing to use my resources. I'm willing to give everything I have to make sure you're okay. This is the way we should love. Love is costly. Love is costly. If I can summarize everything, you can just again point you to Jesus. Our salvation wasn't free. You know the only rejection that Jesus ever felt from the Father was when he became sin and he turned his face away from me? He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? And because of us. So it was no longer Jesus. It was our sin on Jesus. Love is costly. It costs God a lot to purchase us and to bring us into family. And we should just have the same expectation. My resources is not just for myself. My resources is to serve people. To love people, to give to them. That's what needs to happen. If I can summarize everything, love has no boundaries. Love has absolutely no boundaries. That is what true love is, and this is the love that God calls us to. So if you haven't felt the weight yet, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Because I, I, I doubt any person here would say, that's me. Maybe we all, some of us are brave in that, which is also. There's something we all can grow in. Let me just say this as well. A lot of us would love to be loved by this, like us. We enter church with that, that mentality. Come and love me. Love me like this. Give me your resources. This is not what God calls us. He tells us to pour out our love like this on others. If I can put up 1 Corinthians near me, I want to show you, even in this parable, the link. And I'll stop coming to that. Promise. In my time with Love is patient and kind. The Samaritan saw it was just moved by compassion. This is a, a demonstration of Jesus, what he calls us to. It's patient and it's kind. 
Samaritan, one point. Love does not envy or boast. There was not a crowd around the Samaritan to tell him, if you do this, we're seeing it and we're going to tell you, like, well done, Drew. And a Samaritan that was seen as a person that has a skewed vision of God or a skewed theology of God knows God's eyes on you. I want to do the right thing. So it doesn't boast. It doesn't envy. you. If you're only doing the right thing and people are looking at you, you have received a reward according to the Bible. It's not arrogant or rude. Again, it doesn't go, other guy, I bet, like, looks like a mess, what do you do? Then they come afterwards and say, hey, um, this cost me a few bucks, time to pay up. And what's the point? It doesn't insist on its own ways. It's not irritable or resentful. But it's so beautiful, what does the, the Samaritan say to the innkeeper? Spend the more. Make sure this man is fine. I'll come and sort you out. What is so beautiful, he comes back. It's not, hey, I loved you well, I did my good deed, I'm fine for the next three years. No, 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 I'm coming back. Because I really care. I want to make sure you're sorted. You're done. doesn't insist on its own way. It is loud. It allows interruptions. It allows God to move and say, you were planning to do this, but now I have a divine appointment. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. But that means it's when it doesn't take a step on the other side when we see evil. It confronts it. Where we can heal and where we can shine light. We need to end Samaritan witness. And rejoice us with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and yearns all things. This is the love that Jesus calls us to. It's a bound, there's no boundaries type of love. It's a love that says, I'm willing to, just because you're human, I will love you. It's a love that says, God, I, I allow interruptions in my life. I plan my schedule. If you want to change it, that's fine by me. Because I love enough. Love is willing to risk and enter in to push back what is God. And love, at the end, is costly. So, just to kind of start bringing this into the light. I believe for most of us, we will resonate with one of the three people. We will resonate... Maybe as a Samaritan, you're not getting this perfectly, but if you look at your life, you can see aspects of this. You can see aspects where you're risking. You can see this aspect of you pouring out your life. You can see this aspect of using your resources for the benefit of other people. I hope that is true for some people here. Should it be like just one or two? Like hopefully, this is something we grow. There's aspects of love in your life which is good. Maybe when you look, that's that's a very limited view. Maybe like the Levite, you're maybe like the lawyer that says, uh, Lord, who's my neighbor? Because it's very easy for me to do that for those who look like me and they love me and they're friends with me. And no. Jesus is going to say, oh, no. it's not the way that I call you to love. There's a deeper love that he wants to encourage us. Or maybe you just identify the priest with you. What I mean with that is, when is the last time you shared the gospel? When is the last time you opened your house? When is the last time where you took a risk on somebody? When was did you interrupt your schedule? I'm not here to make you feel bad. But guys, we need to be able to test ourselves. And say, where am I in this, God? Have I started to justify? And I'm like the lawyer that has all this knowledge about the commandments of God. And we can have theological 
discussions for hours and hours ahead. But when God comes to us and says, How do you love? The answer is, Well, I loved you. What about my people? Just as the Samaritan was coming back, Jesus is coming back. The Bible says we will have to give an account. We will stand before him that day. It's something I dread. Like I am so fearful of that day. Lord, I've done enough. And I believe in my salvation, but to hear those who are good and faithful servant, this is a Samaritan. And Jesus is like, this is what I want. And if I measure my life, I fall so short. But I want to work at it, church. I don't want to justify myself. I want to work at it. God, change my heart. God, making sure that I don't, I'm willing to disrupt my schedule to make space for you to move. Because I love people enough. I'm going to forget, I don't want to mention the guy's name, but there was this very profound, maybe not the right word, big pastor, the bank who died and went to God. He thought he did so well. I said to him, never love my people. And I'm so fearful of that. That this becomes the show. This becomes just what I do. It's where my life plays out. And I want to love you. God loves you. I want to love you. We're going to a place of prayer. So see where you are on that scale. And what I want to promise you, let me just justify it like this. This interaction with the lawyer is not a, it's not a harsh one. It's not like Jesus is openly rebuking him and saying, hey, you terrible. What does he say? Go and do likewise. You're almost there. You have the theology. Put it in practice. Go and do this, son. It's a, and that's exactly the same. God is like, hey, children, I'm calling you to action. Go and do this. It's led with grace and mercy. God knows we won't get it perfectly. He's like, I can do this with you. Then there might be another person in this room. You don't identify as the lawyer, you don't identify as the Levite, you don't identify as the Samaritan. You're the guy by the side of the road. The life has just beaten you sent. Life has just beaten you sent. See, what I love about the scripture is it just tells the story. Jesus tells the story as though, guys, do we understand that we live in a broken world? And one thing about a broken world is it means that you can do something with the greatest of attention, with the greatest of care. And it can blow up in your face because we live in broken. And I believe there's people in church today that this has happened to you. Like you're giving it everything. It just seems like every time I, I think I'm taking one step forward, life just beats me pieces. And I wanna I wanna plead with you today. Before you end up on a road half dead, this is a church. This is the inn. This is a place where we can put oil. We can pray with you. This is what God calls us. The reason why I'm preaching this so hard to our congregants is to say, guys, we need to better get into this right because if we trust in God to send us people, we need to have this heart in us. But if you find yourself here today and you've been beaten, you've been bruised, life is hard, and you're willing, you, you want to give up, please allow us the opportunity to serve you. Please allow us the opportunity to bound your wounds. This man was hot there, he couldn't do it by himself. One of the greatest things, I've been in ministry for a few years, and one of the greatest things God taught me is, son, you want to by yourself. There was things where it only gave me breakthrough as I invited people to come in and minister to me in that area of mine. So maybe you're sitting here today, life sucks. Sorry, but maybe a bit hard. <laughs> life is just hard. This man didn't ask for robbers. He got robbers. 
Bible time is not living in a broken world, but broken things will happen to us. Please don't face the world. Allow us as the people of God to come into your space and love you and serve you. And maybe where you've allowed that and it didn't turn out well, just want to apologize. Give it another shot. As not one person here, I believe, will jump up their chairs now and say, I am the Good Samaritan. No, Jesus is the Good Samaritan. We're all growing in this. For where there's maybe been hurt and you've trusted people in this aspect of your life that didn't work out, have faith in God and give it another try. Does that make sense? I just want to pray for us and then I can give it back to Tony to remember Sorry, I'm speaking to you. It's all not there, I promise. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for your love. Lord, that you risk. Lord, that for a lot of us, God, you found us on that road, half dead. Well, the Bible would actually say we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses. We were enemies with God. Lord, that you, you didn't come and just, you didn't purchase us because of we, we became clean or because we started to seek you. The Bible says that while we were still enemies, you started to pursue us. Lord, that you chose to love us despite of us. Lord, it cost you greatly. It cost you your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. By His blood, Lord, there is redemption for sins. So, Lord, we want to thank you for this great love that you have given us. Lord, we want to thank you for this great love that is available for people to enter into. Lord, and I want to pray for those, Lord, that they're on the wayside, they're there and they've been beaten up by life and there's been robbers and they've lost and they've suffered. God, I want to pray by your grace. Lord, would you give them the courage today to stand up and say, I have wounds that need oil, I have wounds that need healing. I need somebody to take me to the inn. I need somebody to take me to Jesus. I need somebody to take care of me because I've fought this fight and I've lost. But would you give them the courage today to reach out? Lord, and I pray for us as your, as your sons and your daughters. God, may we not set the bar over when it comes to love. Lord, you, you show us a way to love. God, I pray that we would earnestly seek you to love this way. Lord, as a people, may we give you permission to interrupt our lives. Lord, I pray for divine appointments, God. The testimonies would start coming in where people say, I was on my way and then something happened and I met this person. I was able to minister the gospel to them. I was able to encourage them. I was able to pray for them. Lord, I pray for all of us. God, would you stir our faith to believe that that is better than our stupid schedules. Lord, that you can do so much more with our lives if we yield it to you. Lord, and I pray for us as we go and we have to push back what is God. The word says, we will trample on scorpions and serpents when no means will that hurt us. Lord, I pray, give us the faith to go out with these scorpions and serpents. Trust in your word. Trust in your words. Lord, as your people, let us grow in this. To your beautiful name, I pray. Amen.
spoke to every one of us. I don't think there's a person in the world that doesn't fit into one of those categories. I know that I've been a Nehemiah or a priest and I've crossed the road on occasion. Sometimes I've been a Samaritan. The Lord requires for a heart attitude. Peter has rightly said, we allow our schedules to dictate, but we allow love for one another to dictate. I really do pray that there's a call there for those that feel like the man who is beaten on the side of the road. If that's you today, don't leave this building. Go and find someone. Come and speak to me or Pierre or one of the community leaders or one of the ladies. So would you pray for me because I feel like that person who's been beaten and left to die. And for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would become Samaritans. To notice the world around us, Lord, that's bleeding and dying. And that we would reach out to them and hope, offering hope. Offering them the hope in you. Please, Lord. And it doesn't always have to be someone out there. Sometimes it's someone in here. Can we do that? Lord, help us. We need you in this, Lord Jesus. Come and lead us, challenge us, and enable us. Ask this in your heart here. So I know that there's some wonderful cake at the back, which Pierre um, and Sarika and others have brought contribute in celebration of medication. Uh, just, yeah, outside of that, if you're a visitor, please don't run away. It's coffee.